Tuesday, but it's a good day to be in the Word, and it's a good day to be together. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. That means it's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, we go verse by verse through the Word of God each day. Uh, some of you are with me live. Some of you join me later. You may be on Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. It doesn't matter to me. I just love the fact that we can do this together, and I love going through the Gospel of Mark together, which is what we're doing right now. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23 is our text for today. How you doing? Are you good? Are you good? Did you read ahead? Uh, you need to read ahead. I can't do your Bible reading for you, and it's not the same. If you just listen to me talk about how I read the Bible, you need to read the Bible for yourself. But if you will do that, I will meet with you. We can talk about what we've read, and that's how we learn to make each other better. That's the plan. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. Can we talk about the Pharisees for a moment? You and I have a tendency to judge the Pharisees very harshly because in the New Testament, we, we're on Jesus' side and the Pharisees are almost always button heads with Jesus, man. They, they cross up with him. They are his primary opponents. Everything Jesus does flies straight up their nose. And, uh, and so we're very used to just sort of when they walk in the scene in a Bible story, we're like, you know, boo, Pharisees, they're, they're the, they got the black hats on. They are the bad guys, always the bad guys. But uh, with all that being said, it's hard for us to realize the degree to which in their day they were universally admired. Again, in the New Testament, with Jesus, they are the opponents. But my goodness, in Jesus' day, most people had nothing but respect and admiration for the Pharisees. And honestly, had you been alive in that day, from what I know of you, you would have probably admired the Pharisees too. The Pharisees were men who were very concerned about the moral drift of society. Does that sound familiar? They saw the direction that things were going. They saw the way that the younger generation didn't have any respect, you know, and that, you know, people didn't seem to follow the Bible anymore. And they were back to the Bible kind of people. Again, you would have liked them. I know you would have. I would have too. I want to think that I wouldn't have, but oh my goodness, I think they'd be my kind of guys, you know. They loved the Bible. They loved it so much. They loved God's law so much that they decided to build a fence around it. That, that was their language, build fences around the law. That way, you don't even get close enough to breaking the law to break the law. You know, so what that means is they just would, would if, if God draws a line here, they draw the line here, you know, so that you don't even get close enough. So, so, you know, to actually be an offense of something that God has forbidden. And so, you know, as, as we probably talked about, you know, if, if the Sabbath law forbids work on the Sabbath, then they would just, again, d d put the margin way back here. You, you know, so if you can't work, you know, if you can't, for example, you know, plow, you can't do work, then you can't plow. And so if you can't plow, what is plowing? Well, plowing is moving dirt. So let's don't move any dirt. So that's how... In the Pharisees' mind, spitting became forbidden on the Sabbath because if you spit, you could actually move dirt. You know, your spit hits the ground, it moves dirt, which is technically plowing, which means you worked. You know, so, and I didn't make that up. That's what the Pharisees said. You, thou shalt not spit on the Sabbath because spitting would be moving dirt, therefore plowing, therefore working, therefore, you know, you might as well, you know, fired up the tractor, 
you know. Okay, it doesn't make any sense. It almost sounds absurd, but but you, you certainly you understand the logic that takes them there. So in chapter seven, the the matter here of dispute has to do with hand washing. Now, you and I have a very different context for hand washing, and it has nothing to do with the Pharisaical tradition of hand washing. You and I know about germ theory. You, you know, I mean, like, you know, I am never more than like, you know, three feet from, you know, hand gel because, man, I know all about germs and I really, I don't like the stomach virus and colds and all that. So, you know, I'm really careful to make sure I keep my hands clean. Uh, it's, it's hygiene and it's about germs and avoiding germs. But please understand, in the ancient world, they knew nothing of that. They knew nothing about germ theory. They knew nothing about how diseases are spread. That's not even what they're thinking about. Now, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, I think two different places, uh, priests are told to wash their hands and feet before they go into the tabernacle. And that's where all this starts. Priests were told to wash hands before they go into the tabernacle and do their priestly duties. And so the Pharisees from there, not just the Pharisees, actually, second uh, century BC, right about in there, uh, it became sort of a trend among the Jews to adopt some of those priestly regulations for everybody. So, so, so in other words, um, Jews began to wash their hands before praying, sort of as an acknowledgement of how if, if, if the priests needed to cleanse themselves to be spiritually ready to go into God's presence, then certainly I need to be spiritually ready to go in God's presence. So Jews in the second century BC started washing their hands before they would pray. Uh, kind of a priesthood of all believers principle, if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, in, in other words, if it's good enough for the priest and it ought to be good, you know, then we should be doing that too. So they began to adopt some of those priestly regulations for themselves. Same thing with washing hands before you eat bread. It's the idea that priests would wash hands before they would handle the, you know, the, the, the showbread, the, the priestly bread. And so if, if they needed to do it, then we probably need to do it. So Jews began to wash their hands before they would eat bread. Again, it's sort of bringing that over into everyday life. If, if, if priests do it, then we should do it because our life before God is as important as the priest's you know, duties before God. Does it make sense? And the Pharisees took off with this stuff. So they you know, developed these elaborate rules around hand washing. Again, nothing to do with hygiene, but just the idea of, of spiritual purity. They become obsessed with spirit, spiritual purity. Now, let me just say, if you and I were as concerned with spiritual purity as we are with avoiding the, the stomach virus, we'd be better people. I just say we could use about a teaspoon full of what the Pharisees were, were believing. I don't want to make us Pharisees, but I'm just saying that concern for spiritual purity that that is not a uh, a, a completely you know irrational or uh, they're not all it's not all bad you know it's just the degree to which they take it and the fact that as Jesus says you, you've forgotten. 
Like you made all these, there are God's essential rules and then your extra rules and you forgot the difference between your extra rules and God's essential rules. This is what he means when Jesus says in verse eight, you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. You've forgotten the difference between what God says and what you say. And and you can't put your preferences, you can't put your tradition uh, at the same level as, as what God has said. But, but this is what they've done. And this is why Jesus, you know, begins to have, you know, all this conflict with the Pharisees because they don't know the difference anymore between their rules and God's rules. And Jesus has no regard for their rules. Jesus wants to give back. To, to what God says, and, and, and so for that reason, he has no regard whatsoever for, for, for their rules. Notice what he says. Uh, it's kind of a little parable. He's talking to his, his own followers when he says, uh, listen, try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. It, 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 it's what comes out. It, it, it's, it's, it's your heart. Jesus tries to get to the root of spiritual you know purity spiritual defilement by going to the source it's 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 a heart matter you can wash your hands from here to howdy but if your heart is not right with God then you're not going to be right with God it's not about hand washing you see you and I make the same sort of mistake some of us we don't equate hand washing with godliness right but we would equate something like church attendance if I go to church on Sunday then I must be right with God and Jesus would say no no, go to church all you want, but if you got sin in your heart and you never take care of that, then it don't matter how many times you go to church. You know, it's not a matter of outward things. You know, whether outward spiritual habits like washing hands or going to church or tithing or what do you want to name. Uh, it's what's in you. Jesus always cuts right through the fog and goes straight to the heart of the matter, pun intended, right? Uh, It is the heart. It's the heart that determines whether or not a person is spiritually pure or spiritually defiled. Yeah, all these vile things, they come from within you. In other words, Jesus would say, you know, it, it comes out of you because it's already in you. It's, it, it, it's a matter of the heart. Uh, what follows is kind of a pattern in the Gospel of Mark, and, and, and I'm done, but I'll, I'll just say this. It, it looks like, and I'm sort of picking this up, Jesus will have these discussions uh, teaching, uh, like the when Jesus did the whole parable of the sower and that discussion that followed, then he'll go into three demonstrations of power. So we have this discussion with the Pharisees here at chapter 7, and it's going to be followed by three demonstrations of Jesus' power. We'll pick up right here tomorrow. So for tomorrow, Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 37. The rest of Mac. The rest of Mark chapter 7 for tomorrow. So listen, have a great Tuesday. I'm going to walk into staff meeting here in a moment. I love my staff. I love our church team so much. So pray for us. Pray that we'll have God's wisdom, that we'll have unity, and that we will follow Christ to such a degree that uh, that we be worth following as leaders in the church. Just pray for our staff today. I love you all so much. Have a have a good, good Tuesday. Stay in the Word. Stay close to the Lord. And uh, and again, it's not about, man, you can read the Bible all you want, but you got to let this Word get into your heart. It's what's inside that counts. That's what Jesus says. I love you guys so much. I will see you tomorrow, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Have a good Tuesday.